0: Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 726 for April 30th, 2022. And coming from my grandchildren's home, I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bushats, but this is not a programming by stealth. This is actually a Chit Chat Across the Pond light episode uh, in the you no know, Silicast uh, pod feet definition of light.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I called it light-ish. light dish. Well, it's,
0: it's light for us. Probably won't it be is too tight, but it's going to be some uh, some kind of cool deep learning. I think.
1: I think useful because you and I are both in a situation where I think we're not alone. I th- I know of at least one of the Noctila castaway in the same situation. So many many moons ago, when Google first started experimenting with G Suite as they called it then, they gave out free accounts to people with their own domain, mm-hmm. so you could have a full G Suite with your own domain. And I didn't just do one like you did. I did two. So I have twice the problems you do. (laughs) I have two domains. So after many, many, many years, Google have decided to get rid of all of those grandfathered in peeps and start billing us. Only they're raising their prices and they're looking to bill us a lot more than I'm prepared to be billed. No, so I need to run away. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I do want you to explain, and and maybe I'm talking ahead. I have not read the show notes ahead of time, but explain to people what it means to have your own domain.
1: Oh, okay, we will go there, but let's 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 start there. So you can purchase the ownership of a domain name. So you will, so you own Podfeet.com. I own Bartfiser.net and Bartp.ie. And I own a lot of domains. Um, and once you own a domain, you have the ability, through mechanisms we're going to describe here, to have email addresses at your domain. So, so owning the domain by itself
0: does not give you any kind of superpowers. Nothing, nothing exists behind that. It's just, I have, I have the nameplate for 123 Main Street in, in uh, the middle of North America, right? That's all it is.
1: You own it. In fact, no, it's not in the middle of anywhere. I just own the nameplate. You you own a label, and you have the ability to stick it on something. Right. But until you stick it on something, you have a sticker.
0: Yes, that, that's that's what I was trying to say. Okay, right.
1: So you and I both have our own stickers, and for a long time, in terms of email, our stickers have been stuck to free G Suite, which I've been a bit uncomfortable with for about a decade since Google is like a horrible spy company. But I'm also a lazy sod. <laughs> <laughs> so my domains have stayed there well, and it, so anyway and it we need to, to run away it was
0: hard to dislike because you got basically infinite email and you paid nothing and yep. and, and, and Google, Google spam filtering which is not to be sneezed at
1: that's exactly what's been keeping me That that is exactly what's been keeping me and it's going to cost me quite a bit of money to get rid of to replace Google spam filtering with something I hope will be as good because I'm I'm going to Microsoft land with my domains Okay, well, for giving the punchline, I've already gone to uh, iCloud, but we'll see. Okay. For now. Mm -hmm. uh, Okay. So the big thing is, of course, because we own our own domains, we have the power to change our provider anytime we like, and no one but us has to know or care. So you are alison.podfee.com, and you were before... You moved away from Google and you are now while you're on iCloud. And if you decide that actually iCloud isn't working out very well, you will still be Alison at but you could be goodness knows where. Right. And that is the magic of owning your own domain. And why would you, right, it, owning your own domain is not zero effort, but it doesn't have to be a lot of effort, but it does have to be some money. There is no way to do this for free. Because you have to pay for your domain name. At the very, very, very least, you have to pay for your domain name. I can squeeze you out of every other cost Mm -hmm. apart from the domain name, but it will come with a great you know, you will you will pay a price for not buying anything because you won't have very good service, but I can get you there for free. Except for you have to register a domain name. But it's
0: not that expensive to register domain names these days, as long as it's not a really it's not a popular, tricky name.
1: Or And it depends on the top-level domain. So .coms and .orgs are quite cheap, Um, .ie's are more expensive, and some of the Fancy Pants new domains can be really quite expensive because they're a for-profit enterprise. So like the .guru and all these Fancy Pants domains you Mm. can get these days. I think .photo is very popular. I'm not sure how expensive that one is. Um, I I think one of my most expensive domains is the .me I have for this dash tie and that was purely because I wanted the pun <laughs> um, or the spelling, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's actually one of my most expensive domains. That is for Montenegro, I believe, oh. dot me. Uh, okay. Anyway, so why? It's, n- it's a non-zero amount of effort and a non-zero amount of money. So why? Well, if you don't have reliable access to the email addresses you use to sign up for things online, your entire online existence is at the mercy of ...of your email provider. If you don't own your own domain... ...if your email address ends in at Gmail... ...or at Microsoft... ...or at Hotmail... or ...if the bit after the at is something that is not in your control... ...your entire digital life... ...is in the lap of someone else. Now if you're paying... ...like with iCloud... ...you're not as... ...you're not as badly off as you could be... ...because at least you're a customer... But if you're using a free service, you know, Yahoo don't care if one of their free accounts is deleted by mistake. They just don't care. You literally owe them, you know, they owe you nothing. It's a free account. And think about the amount of things we do online that use email as part of the security setup. Everywhere you sign up, there's an email loop to verify your identity. Every time you do a password change, there's an email loop involved. Right.
0: I always tell people when they're, when they're going down the path of getting into 1Password or LastPass and and cleaning up their digital security, the first thing to change is not their bank account, their 401k, it's that email address. Because y- you can have all the best passwords in the world, but if they all go to an easily hackable email, you're you're dead. You can lose it all.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it is the crown jewels, as I've described. I think that's the word I used to describe it many times. So if you don't actually have control of that domain, you can lose that. And that's pretty catastrophic to your online life. So I would say that everyone really probably should own their own domain. And you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be your own own domain, right? So I have a lot of family members who are not tech savvy. So as a family, we purchased bootshots.ie. And we have email addresses at booshuts.ie. But it's me running that for all the family. Okay, So they all have the benefit of an email address at their own domain. But it doesn't have to be that every one of them is now tech savvy enough to run their own domain. But I would suggest that as a family group, it's the kind of thing to consider offering as a service to your... You know, all of those people you look after their tech for. <laughs> and I know you do, because you're listening to this podcast. You were the tech person for someone else. All of us Nisilla castaways are. Right. And so maybe it's something you can offer out to the rest of the family. Maybe call it a Christmas present. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how serious you are. But anyway, I think it is actually very important for your digital safety to have your own domain, because the worst case scenario if you own your own, if you own, your own domain is that you have to start over from scratch and, but you still get to have the same email address. So you may lose all of your past email, but anything new and anything at your domain you can recreate. You can basically go to a whole fresh provider and say from now on alison@podfield.com is this mailbox here. Okay, something went horribly wrong. Apple went bankrupt surprisingly. I lost my iCloud. I have lost all of my old mail. Oh well. But at least when it comes to hitting that password reset button, you can make alison.podfeed.com exist again. So the worst catastrophe is that you lose your history, but you can get back into your accounts. Because when you do the mail thing, you can make PodFeed exist again.
0: Right, right. Okay.
1: Okay, so how hard is it to set up? Well, it's just four steps. (laughs) You register a domain. You purchase an email service. You configure your domain to send your email to the email service you purchased, and then you configure your clients to read your email from the service you just configured. Sounds easy. Sounds easy enough. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's not rocket science, but it has a potential to be a bit fiddly. So under the hood, it actually breaks down a little bit more. So the moving parts, as I'm sort of calling them, are domain registration, DNS hosting, your MX records, a mail service you're getting, either paid for or free, and email authentication DNS records. And up until about five years ago, I would have stopped at step four, but it's actually not safe not to go to step five these days. And you're going to explain what, what these different up, terms are. This is the, These five things are the five topics for the day. Okay. These are, these are the five moving parts. So they're what we need to understand. So let's start at the start, registering a domain, right? If you register a domain, that gives you exactly two things. The legal ownership of said domain and the ability to specify the DNS servers that will serve out that domain's records. So at the very highest level, I can control the domain name system, uh, but they're, they don't like dealing with human beings. So I can delegate control of each top level domain to an appropriate authority. And those appropriate authorities also don't like dealing with people. So those those authorities, uh, yeah, those authorities provide an API and a mechanism for basically becoming, it's sort of like joining the bar. You basically have to be blessed as a trusted organization. And then you have the ability to submit requests to the registrar, to the company managing the top-level domain or the organization managing the top-level domain. And so those blessed companies are called domain registrars. And so we human beings have to talk to a domain registrar. And behind the scenes, they have been vetted and they have to do all sorts of things to prove that they're not scammers. And then they can actually register domains on our behalf. They take our money and make our domain name ours. So it's a domain registrars who we get to deal with. And the,
0: the names, there are loads names that people, people, people would recognize would be GoDaddy and Hover and companies like that.
1: That's their... I was just about to say the two most prominent examples yeah. are GoDaddy, who are your registrar, and Hover, who are mine. Right, right. Yeah. Um, as a little bonus extra, the whois command will tell you everything about a domain registry, uh, or sorry, about a domain, including who the registrar is. Now... Whois actually tells you loads of information. So if you want to really see the registry stuff, if you just grep the results for starts with registrar, you will see that if you say whoispodfeed.com and then pipe it to eGrep with the regular expression starts with registrar, you will see that it says godaddy.com, LLC. Right. And also we to send a report of Alison being naughty. Ooh. If something naughty was happening, you'll see that the appropriate contact is abuse at GoDaddy.com. Uh-oh. Don't do that. So don't, don't you go start spamming people. Uh. <laughs> so to register a domain, you simply make yourself an account at your domain registrar of choice. You pay them some money to register the domain, and then you keep paying them some money every year to continue to maintain your ownership of that domain. And then once you have that ownership, you then get the ability to to tell the registrar which DNS server is going to be your DNS server. That's going to house. Basically, it's going to write on your sticker, right? Which server is actually going to have the records that say podfeet.com's website is over there and podfeet.com's email server is over there. So some server on the internet has to hold that knowledge, and you define that at your registrar through what are called your NS records or name server records.
0: So uh, hold up here for just a minute. Um, I may have yeah. a misunderstanding here, but so at at one spot, some record holding company knows that my mm-hmm. uh, where my email comes from the server that my email is coming from and a different place knows where or it it has the knowledge of my, uh, my name server records to say, where is, where is www.podview.com?
1: No, you have that slightly wrong. So there is one place, which is your name server, which knows your A record for your website and your MX record for your email. So there is one place holds all of your DNS records.
0: We might end up having to talk about this when we get into the detail of the options because Apple knows about my, where it's the one that has my MX records.
1: No, 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 no. Your MX records are not with Apple.
0: It's still GoDaddy?
1: No, no. All of your DNS records are with Cloudflare. Oh, Lord. Okay. No, no, but you're a brilliant example. (laughs) Because you have paid GoDaddy for the ownership of your domain and to point your ns records at cloudflare and w- well what are ns records though Name okay server, so the right? ns record is a mechanism for saying that server over there knows everything about my domain
0: oh okay so okay. The, the people allowed to put the sticker on are over at is cloudflare is those guys
1: believe believe that server if you have any question about anything podfeet it's that server over there knows the answer
0: okay that, so that's I, I, that what you get when you buy a sense. domain. Uh, by the way, in, in yeah. case you think I'm a moron, uh, normally the, the reason I would no. be confused is because I did it so long ago I can't remember. This time my excuse is I did it so recently I can't remember.
1: Recently. <laughs> yeah, so basically you can't remember is really what it boils down to. <laughs> As a matter of course. Now, at this stage, I should probably disambiguate something because it, to my eternal consternation, the internet has decided to use the same word, DNS server, to mean two completely different things that are actually mirror images of each other. Oh, nice. And if you're a nerdy geek, you will figure out from the context which one you mean. But the amount of my working life that I spend having to tell people, no, 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 not, no, that's not what it did. No, in this context, it's the other one. <laughs> I, oh, it drives me nuts. Anyway. So if you're setting up your home network, there's going to be a text box called DNS server. That is not a DNS server. That is something called a DNS resolver. And its job is to find the answer to questions. It doesn't store anything. It's an answer finder. It goes about when it says, what is the IP address for google.com? Where do I send email for bartificer.net? You know, where, where's podfeed.com? It's, it's a question answerer, so it's a resolver. But we call it a DNS server, because, but we shouldn't. Okay, so that you're
0: just kind of so, setting that aside. If you have heard this term in your home network and you thought you knew what it meant, you did. But it's really a DNS resolver.
1: It's really a resolver. And the obvious question is, well, if it's an answer getter, where does it get the answer from? Let me get The answer is it gets its answer from a DNS server. Okay. Only a real one. Or to give it its full name, an authoritative DNS server. So authoritative DNS servers hold information and resolvers query information. Okay. They so, resolve the question. For this entire conversation today, DNS server means authoritative. It means a source of truth, not a seeker of truth. Good. So your DNS server is the source of truth about your domain. Okay. Very confusing, but anyway. Let's
0: get that. Out of All right, you aren't selling that this isn't that hard part yet. So <laughs> let's get
1: to <laughs> well, but it. but it it isn't hard to do, right? We're going into the detail oh, okay. here, right? So, wait wait, 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 wait. I won't jump ahead. Um, so well, you you can. There is a terminal command because look, this is right. Okay, let me back up a sec. So there's this concept of a top level domain, which for podfeed.com, the top level domain is .com. So what that means is that the DNS servers for .com actually have the NS records for podfeet.com. That's actually what's happening under the hood. And of course, since we're terminal lovers, there is a terminal command to figure out when you've forgotten where your name servers are. And I forget all the time because I use three different sets of three different companies to host name servers for different things I do, and I can never remember which domain is where. So the terminal command to, to get information out of the DNS system is DIG don't know why it's DIG. Maybe it's a DNS information getter or something. (laughs) I don't know. But it's called DIG. And DIG is really talkative. So pretty much always put plus short after your DIG commands. And then it will give you the answer and not tell you how it got there. And then you ask it, you tell it the DNS question. So to find out your name servers, it's DIG plus short podfeet.com NS. Because you want the name server records. And that tells us that your name servers are elmo.ns.cloudflare.com and pat.ns.cloudflare.com, which are the cutest <laughs> DNS servers I've seen in quite some time.
0: That's why I picked it, absolutely.
1: In- yes. So what that means is that the servers who are the source of truth for your domain are those Cloudflare servers. And... I, the re, one of the reasons I'm using PodFeed is because you're an example of someone who... Uh, most people use their domain registrar as their DNS hosting.
0: And 10 minutes ago, I did. So they would use did. GoDaddy.
1: Yeah, I know, yeah exactly. Okay. And so people think it's one thing, but there are actually two moving parts that we just happen to usually use the same company for.
0: I, I think rebuilding that all of the PodFeed confusion. servers... The biggest thing I learned from that entire experience was how much I thought things were one thing when they were actually a bunch of pieces all in one place. This is one of the examples.
1: Yes, exactly. And which is why I use PodFeed, because in this case, you actually have the two pieces separate, but most people will have the two pieces together. So you'll register your domain with GoDaddy and you'll use GoDaddy as your name servers. But they are two different hats that GoDaddy have on. They're two different services GoDaddy are providing you with. Okay, so the next step in the puzzle then is your MX DNS record. So you now own a domain and you have a place that is the source of truth for your domain. So, what truth do you need to put into that source of truth? And in terms of email, what you need is a DNS record that tells the universe all email that is destined for anything at podfeet.com goes there. And the DNS record for that is something called an MX record, which is a bad uh, initialism for mail exchanger.
0: Oh, that's what the X is for. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. The M's for mail. So the at symbol is the magic pivot point. Everything to the left of the at symbol is the mail server's domain. And everything to the right of the at symbol is the DNS name. So the MX record to be looked up is whatever is to the right of the at symbol. So when, you ha- when I hit send on an email, my, that, my client sends it to my outgoing email server, and my outgoing email server explodes the thing at the at sign and says, I don't care what came before the at sign, not my problem. What's after the at sign? Podfeet.com. Okay, I do a DNS lookup for the MX record for podfeet.com. And that tells me the sending mail server where to send the email. And so the sending server does not care about what's on the left. What's on the left is the only thing the receiving server cares about. And so that's often just an account name, but it can actually be more. A lot of mail servers support the plus symbol to mean extra information. Gmail does this. So if you have waffles plus pancakes at podfeet.com, the sending server knows to send it to podfeet's mail server based on the MX record. But... The receiving mail server will actually say, oh, Waffles is the account and Pancakes is a tag or a mailbox, depending on the implementation. Hmm. And so it will either tag the mail, which is what Gmail does, or I think in Microsoft land, it gets put into a folder with that name.
0: Huh, I didn't
1: know that. Yeah. So, But as I say, what's to the left is entirely up to the mail server to decide what to do with the receiving server. And what's to the right is where it should be sent. And the MX record basically says... That server over there. But actually, the MX record doesn't just say that server over there. MX records allow multiple servers to be specified. And in fact, it doesn't just allow multiple servers. It, an MX record has two pieces, a priority and a server. And the priority, low means important and high means less important. So the idea is, when my sending server tries to send an email to you, it will get all the MX records and it will start at the one with the highest priority and try. And if that connection fails, it will then take the one with the next highest priority and try. And if that fails, it will take the next highest priority until it runs out of servers or it gets through. Okay. And this is from the early days of the internet when it was a lot less reliable. So you would have more MX records. Okay. Okay. Nowadays, the common thing to do is to give them all the same priority of 10, which is, I think, the lowest priority generally used. And what happens then is a random one is used. So if we use the dig command again to look up your MX record, it's dig space plus short space podfee.com MX, you will see that Apple used two Mail Exchanger records, 10mx01.mail.icloud.com and 10mx02.mail.icloud.com. So that means both have the same priority so the sending server just picks one at random and sends it apple's way
0: so we're back to the question I asked earlier and and I'm gonna I still think I have some validity to my question um, when mm-hmm. when I moved my domain email to iCloud mm-hmm. they reach iCloud reached over and grabbed the information it needed it it never had anything to do with cloudflare the MX records That's are not on true. iCloud. I I did not talk to Cloudflare. No,
1: no, 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 no. Sorry, you're wrong. But uh, what happened is Apple showed you a picture and said, these records must be set on your DNS server. And you went to Cloudflare and typed in what Apple told you.
0: Hmm. Promise you. Okay.
1: I'll go back and look at the instructions. 100% guarantee but I, I, I may have helped you do it.
0: No, that was that was one I did or on my not.
1: own. I was by myself when I did that. Well, you copied and pasted those across. Okay. Apple told you what and you went now when you did this you hadn't moved to cloudflare yet ah, so apple told oh, you what to do oh that's why okay so i didn't go to
0: cloudflare that's okay so i am so i was like i know i didn't do that but i probably went over to i went over to um, GoDaddy, godaddy but we deleted a bunch of stuff at godaddy
1: right because godaddy was pointing your domain at google so you had to do two things. You had to stop oh. your email going to Google and start your email going to Apple.
0: Okay. And then you're saying somewhere along the line, Cloudflare started doing what GoDaddy was doing. Oh, Lord, this is, yes. this is complicated, Bart.
1: <laughs> okay, but it's not, right? Because in terms of your email, you own your domain. It says that server is my server. And on that server, you have an MX circuit that says Apple is my people. Mm-hmm. That's 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 it. Right? Yeah, I mean, so Apple told you switching mine what was record very easy. Understanding
0: it. it is not very easy. Let me put it that way, because <laughs> Apple said okay. Do well, this, anyway, and I did
1: it and it worked. Which is, to be honest, that's the usual experience. Okay, right. But I'm digging in deep here, right? Because that's what we do here. So your MX record is saying that the mail servers for podfit.com are those two iCloud servers, and you didn't know that by magic. You knew that because Apple told you. Right. Right. Okay, so the next step in the puzzle then is the actual mail service that your MX records are pointing at. And honest to goodness, the sky's the limit here. But at the very least, a mail service is likely to have three basic pieces. And it's hypothetically, you could buy these different pieces from different companies. But why? (laughs) So realistically, you're going to just get this as a blob, as a single package, there is going to be an incoming mail server or more capable of receiving your email. So in your case, it's mx onemailicloudcom and mxo2.mail.icloud.com. Now, when those receiving mail servers receive your email, they are very likely in today's age to run it through 20 million spam filters. And then whatever they don't throw away, they need to put somewhere. And they put that into a mail store which is where your mailboxes are actually housed. And almost always, that is going to be by the same company you're paying for your incoming mail server, because as far as you're concerned, you don't care that it's actually multiple servers. It's one thing to you. So Apple has another server whose name you don't even know, and that's actually holding your email. Actually, no, you do know its name, because if you go into your mail settings your mail settings are not going to say MX whatever. They're going to say something like smtp.icloud.com right, or something right. like that. So that's actually where your mail is stored. So the incoming and mail server is where it's stored? No, the incoming mail server receives it. The MX record says send it to that server, okay. and that server receives the mail. It does whatever it wants, which is probably spam filtering these days, and then it writes it somewhere Okay. to a mail store. And the mail store is where you're going to retrieve your email from. Be that over okay. IMAP, you, probably, okay. or a webmail interface, or if you're very old-fashioned, pop. Right, but that's not your mail storage. Is not necessarily the server it arrived at. Right, it's up to your mail provider to decide how to architect their system. They're going to tell you in your mail client, put this in, in your MX record, put that in, and they worry about the rest. Don't worry your pretty little head about it. Exactly. And the third piece is an outgoing mail server, which allows you to send email from the domain you own. Mm. And that's probably a completely different server again, right? Because you're out in your in your mail settings, you probably have an incoming mail server and an outgoing mail server. You probably have two different servers. Usually they're called something like smtp.icloud.com would be my guess for the outgoing mail server. But it will be a different server, most probably. But again, that's That is up to your provider to decide how they want to architect their infrastructure. The bottom line is, they will provide a place to receive mail, they will provide a place to store mail, and they will provide a mechanism to send mail. They are the three things you are paying for from your mail provider. Receiving, storing, sending. Okay. And like I say, hypothetically, you could split that apart, but you don't want to. Let's not make it harder. Exactly. Now... A lot of the time these days, you don't only buy email. You buy email as part of a bigger, fancier package. So you probably have a lot, particularly for a small business or whatever, you're going to buy your email as part of a productivity suite, I believe is the phrase. So Microsoft 365, Google Workspace, which is what they've renamed G Suite now that they are charging so much money for it. Or if you prefer to pay a bit less, but have most of the same features, Zoho offer quite a good package for uh, small businesses and families. So you may or may not be getting only email. If you're looking for just basic email, you actually have an awful lot of choices because most places that will register a domain for you will give you no bells, no whistles, cheap email. So I checked, and absolutely GoDaddy provide a basic email service. They call it professional business email, but it's a really basic email service.
0: You know, that's funny. All this and time that they've offered that, I always thought I would end up with a GoDaddy.com email address if I said yes to that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nope. Okay. <clears throat> the reason they offer it is because they're a domain registrar, right? So people are buying a domain name there, so they're like, oh, we can do email on your domain. We can do email on your domain. Well, you and say, Hover also offers basic. What... <laughs> What's fancy? It probably has a poor spam filter. It probably well, you don't has. Know
0: that.
1: Why do you think that? I said probably. Yeah, but why probably? From expe- what, what evidence? Because that's been my experience over the years. That unless I'm paying at least five dollars a month for it, the spam filter would be terrible. I mean, why are we all so fond of our free Google accounts? Because their spam filter rocks. Okay, those two
0: sensors are opposite of each other. You paid nothing and got a got a fabulous. Uh, spam filter. Right, but and you're that saying was Go because Daddy we were early not, adopters using a
1: beta. Mm-hmm. Google have been charging good money for that service to everyone else. Mm-hmm. We're just grandfathered in because we joined the beta. Right. Back in the days when Google had betas of everything. We're just kind of lucky, actually. Given Google's history of betas, we were very lucky to get away it with it for this time. It was more than long. a
0: decade, right? It was a long time.
1: Yeah, Anyway. Uh, so the chances are you can just get a cheap and it could be very cheap. like I think I think Hover offered like a really, really, really basic email account for like five dollars a year. Mm. not a month. like it, it's some very cheap ones out there. Uh, or there's in between ones. Um, a lot of domain registrars will offer you hosted exchange, for example. So I use um, an Irish company called Black Knight and they're doing hosted exchange for me, which is cool. And also I should mention Rackspace offer pretty good value for money as well. And if you like privacy, ProtonMail deserve a mention. They're a privacy-oriented, paid-for email service.
0: So th- this is not by any means even close to an exhaustive list. Goodness I mean, me, no. People talk this about a fast v- Mail a lot. People are real
1: happy with that. Um, I forgot that one. Yeah, I should have put that on the list. Um, there are so many of them, right? Pretty much every domain registrar, most hosting companies, and then you have these more specialized people like ProtonMail who have their thing is that we are the privacy people. So that's their special power, right? So the last moving part then is the new one. So five years ago, I may not even have mentioned this, but today I have to. Email authentication DNS records. And when Apple gave you DNS records to put into GoDaddy, they didn't only give you the MX record. Otherwise you would have had one thing to type, but you typed at least two things, if not more. Because they also gave you DNS records for mail authentication. So let's, let's make that one leap a lot higher. So when you own your own domain, you have a responsibility for managing its mail reputation. So spam filters keep track of who's naughty and... If a domain is used for a lot of spam, the domain's reputation plummets and then it becomes more and more likely that every email with a a from address at that domain will get blocked. The annoying thing is that SMTP is old. SMTP, which is the protocol that sends email to this day, was invented in the days when people were shocked the internet worked. (laughs) They were just happy that it could, oh my god, these IP addresses could talk to each other. This is amazing. No one thought it would ever be abused. Everything was untrust and the assumption was that the internet would be full of shiny happy people all happy to get along. Yeah, right, that didn't work out. But anyone can send an email with any value they like in the from field in an SMTP message. I do this, when I used to teach uh, CS230 in Moniz University, I did, as an example, sending an email from God... No, what is it? From (laughs) Godatheaven.com. You really just can't put anything in there. Okay. The protocol doesn't have a concept of authentication. So the bad guys lie. The bad guys aren't honest about who's sending the spam because then they'll get blocked. Bad guys will put a from address that is not them. And they will look for email domains that are not protected. And they will use them as the from address and get those domains blocklisted. And then move on to some other victim. So we have retrofitted the concept of authentication. But we can't retrofit it to the SMTP protocol because that's a dinosaur. So instead, we've made up a new DNS standard. And so you add extra DNS records to authenticate your email. Only. There was no one in charge. So we didn't do it once. We did it twice in two different ways. Because that's how the internet works. So the first of the two ways is your sender policy framework or SPF. And what it allows you as the owner of a domain to do is it allows you to say, these servers are mine. If you get an email from a server that's not one of these servers, I want you to do X. And X can be, let it through, which is a stupid thing to say, and you wouldn't. But the protocol does allow you to say, yeah, 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 it's grand. Trust everything from my domain. Terrible idea. It allows you to say, pretend SPF doesn't exist, which is the neutral signal. I don't know why you'd want to send the neutral signal. You've gone to the problem of adding a DNS record to say ignore the DNS record. Or you can send what's called a soft fail. And a soft fail says, yeah, it's wrong, but let it through in case I've misconfigured my domain. And the way that's normally interpreted by, by spam filters is I will mark it as spam. I will deliver it, but I will put it in the spam folder huh. because it's a soft fail. And a lot of people who are nervous about SPF leave it at soft fail forever. I set my domains to hard fail. Hard fail means, dear spam filter, if an email arrives that is not from one of my servers with a from address of my domain, throw it in the bin. So a hard fail tells spam filters, if this comes from the wrong place, I'm giving you permission to throw it away. You're saying to, you're not talking about email coming from supposedly yourself. You're talking... I'm, no, I'm, I'm talking about email coming from supposedly myself, but not actually myself. Right, that's what I was
0: saying. So you, you're saying, I know, you're saying this isn't... Uh, this is looking like it's from you, but it's not from your mail servers. But you're talking about it coming into into you. No. You mean coming no, no. into
1: anybody else? Anyone on planet Earth. And how does it know that it's not from you? Be- okay, so your SPF record has two two pieces. These are me... And this is what to do with not me. So but, the first but thing you specify... Is, but me
0: is not Bart at
1: Bartificer.net. No, it's the outgoing mail server for my mail. Oh, provider. got you. OK, that's the piece I missed. OK, got it, got it. All right. Yeah. So you, what you're doing is you're allow listing specific mail servers. Right. So these mail servers are really the mail servers for BartB.ie or podv.com or whatever example we're using. Now, when, when you add an, uh, an SPF record... Okay, let me back up. If you don't have an SPF record, you will get blamed for everything on your domain. If you do have an SPF record, everything that the SPF record says to ignore has zero impact on your domain's reputation because you have disavowed yourself of it. So that means that your mail reputation is your reputation. If you use your mail server that you have allow listed on your SPF record to send 5 million emails, you will be flagged as a spammer because you are, in fact, a spammer. Okay. But everyone else on planet Earth who tries to abuse your domain, no effect on your reputation.
0: Got you. Okay. All right.
1: Okay, so that's important. If you're the terminal type, SPF records are not a whole new type of DNS record. They are something called a DNS text record, which is basically DNS's equivalent of generic anything you like. Put whatever you want here. So it's literally a piece of text. And instead, the piece of text has formatting rules that are defined by the SPF protocol. And you can recognize an SPF record because it starts with V equals SPF one. And then it contains the content of your SPF record. So if you ask, So you can use the dig plus short command again to ask for all the TXT records on podfeet.com. You will get two. You'll get one called apple minus domain equals and then some random gobbledygook. That is what Apple made you do to prove to Apple that you own podfeet.com. Okay. Right, They made up the random gibberish and told you to add a TXT record. Okay. You could probably delete that now if you wanted, but it's doing no harm there. And the second TXT record starts with V equals SPF1. That is your SPF record. Ah. And your SPF record is very interesting because Apple decided to just make it easy on you. Right? Apple run email servers from millions of people. That means they must have lots of IP addresses. And they must be changing them all the time. So imagine if they made you change your SPF record every time they made a new server come into being. That would be hellish. So they have told you to specify an SPF record that says... My record is wherever iCloud's record is. Redirect equals iCloud.com. So
0: that's not so your domain is making that easy?
1: Exactly. So basically, your domain tells the spam filter, the rules for iCloud.com are the rules for me. Go ask iCloud what the rules are today.
0: Hmm.
1: And so let us ask iCloud what the rules are today, just because that's more interesting. DIG plus short iCloud.com TXT. Now, I find the first TXT record that gets returned Fascinating. Apple are a Google customer. Oh. Google site verification equals random gibberish Google gave Apple. iCloud. uh, Is Google provided in some way at some point in time? Wow. Okay. I know they use that command. So that's
0: for the verification.
1: Yeah. So Apple verified iCloud that come with Google at some stage. That's interesting. Isn't that interesting? That surprised me. And then our second TXT record starts with V equals SPF1. Ah, SPF record, you say. And then it lists a whole bunch of IP ranges. IP4 colon 174 whatever slash 16. IP4 blah slash 16. They are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. They are the IP addresses of Apple's mail servers. Okay. And the last entry is tilde all. <laughs> Apple soft fail. Okay, okay. If it said minus all, Apple would be a hard fail. So if you look up um, partb.ie, you'll see that I'm a hard fail kind of person. (laughs) Anyway, you know, soft fail is good enough. Anyway, there you are. So that is how, that is one of the two ways that you authorize email senders for for partb.com is you have an SPF record. And the good news is your email provider will tell you what it should be. So you just copied and pasted it, right. which is why you have it. And hey, presto. So I have in bold, it is really important that you have an SPF record on your domain. It is only a matter of time until every email you send gets put in people's spam folder. If you don't have an SPF record, it will happen to you. If it hasn't happened yet, it will. Hmm. So the second contender is called DKIM. Domain keys identified mail. This is a mechanism where you use a DNS record to publish a public key. And the matching private key will be used by your sending mail server to digitally sign every email it sends on your behalf. So the emails arrive at the recipient digitally signed, saying you shall find the public key at this subdomain of your email address, of your email domain, potfi.com. And then they will do a DNS query and get the public key and verify the signature. And then they know that your mail server sent that email. Therefore, it can't be a spammer. So you're saying I must have a
0: DKIM
1: record? If No, no, I'm saying if your mail server, if the mail servers you're paying for digitally signs your emails, they will have given you a DKIM public key. Okay. And then... They will be digitally signing your email, and that is an extremely good way to never get your email spam filtered because that is considered very high level of confidence that the email really is from you. It is literally digitally signed. Okay.
0: Apple apparently so do DKIM, not
1: do that. I don't know if you do because no, I'm a, telling DKIM you, I don't have a DKIM record. AM record. Um, uh, if you log into Cloudflare and you don't, fair enough. But a DKIM record is not easy for me to see. I would have to receive an email from you to go I check. I just
0: logged into Cloudflare, and I do not.
1: Ah, then you don't. But don't worry about it because SPF is fine. Okay, it's just particularly, say, if you're paying for someone to do bulk mail delivery for you, they will definitely make you do DKIM because otherwise, if you're sending out a, let's say you're sending out. yeah, exactly. If you're someone like uh, Text Expander and you're sending out a monthly update telling people how many hours they've saved, you are a heavy volume sender. If you don't have DKIM, you will get block, block listed across half the internet. Okay, All right. Yeah. Now, we have one problem authenticating email. We have two solutions. They're not compatible with each other. And the internet, being the internet, decided to solve the problem of having two incompatible protocols by adding a third protocol to marry the two protocols together. So the problem is we had two protocols for authenticating email. The solution is let's have three. So the two again is SPF and DKIM. Yeah and then DMARC comes and unites them all. (laughs) And the reason they're needed is right here's a very easy hypothetical. Your domain has an SPF record and listed trusted senders and it says that Email not from your trusted senders should be hard failed. Imagine you also have a DKIM record. A recipient receives an email that is correctly signed with DKIM, but the server is not on your SPF. What should the confused spam filter do? Hmm. It has two signals and they are in disagreement with each other. You could set up a DMARC record that says, my domain will always have DKIM, therefore ignore anything else. Or my domain will always have SPF, ignore, give it priority. Or my domain insists both pass for it to be considered valid. So the DMARC record lets you set a policy on how SPF and DKIM should be treated. So If your provider gives you a DMARC record, copy and paste it. If your (laughs) provider doesn't, you may, if you like, go and read the spec and make up your own DMARC record. I'll be honest, I don't bother. Okay, good. Um, They're TXT records, V equals DMARC1. Okay. So that is, they're all the moving parts. But there are are more moving parts that you could add if you're having like a six-wheeled car. The first of them is Mail filtering is an optional extra. So if you buy a bells and whistles email service from Microsoft or Google or Zoho, they will give you a good spam filter as part of the service, so you don't have to worry about it. But if you're getting a, you know, cheapest chips mail service for $5 a year, it may not have any spam filtering, or you may find it's just not good enough.
0: there's
1: There's a lot in between.
0: Sure. I mean, iCloud, but let's just iCloud imagine doesn't cost you're me extra happy. money, but it's got good spam filter. I'm not paying sure, anything for iCloud. I am paying sure. a lot for iCloud. That's not a true statement, but it's not. That's I'm not paying because
1: I have email forwarding there. Sure. There are people who will find themselves in a situation where they actually have a mail service they're happy with, but they're not happy with the spam filtering.
0: Okay, but I just want to make sure... It sounds like you're saying you have to buy a Bells and Whistles to get the the good spam filtering. That you have to do Microsoft, Google, or Zoho. That's the way that read to me. And otherwise, you're going to get garbage. And that's not a true statement.
1: Mm, Your your mileage may vary. Apple... iCloud... Okay, but I don't say okay. I don't because it to be cheap, but no, can no, you get no. Your you own can domain, have,
0: if you're not a yes, you don't have to buy iCloud storage. I've been I've been looking at the requirements, and I don't find anything in there saying that you have to have you know a 200 gigabyte plan. I can double check that. No, I, but you have to have iCloud Plus. It's an iCloud Plus feature. Okay, so iCloud Plus is what is the lowest plan? Isn't it a dollar a month?
1: I honestly don't know. Anyway. If you're happy, you're happy. Yeah.
0: Okay, I, I, <laughs> I just don't want to mislead people into thinking those are the three companies you can get good mail filtering from. Okay,
1: Every okay. everything in this entire show, they are just examples because there are thousands of options good. and I haven't evaluated 1% good. of them. Okay. Um, If at any point you're cranky with your spam filtering, you don't have to get rid of your whole mail service. You can actually break that apart. Hmm. And the way you do that is by buying a spam filtering service as a standalone and pointing your MX record at the spam filter. And then the spam filter will give you a control panel where you type in your real mail servers. Oh geez, so it's and like so what a real MX record becomes your setting in the spam filter and your MX record becomes the spam filter. Got you. And so they now get they now become a machine in the middle. By the way, I have found a solution to the man in the middle problem. Don't call it a man or a woman. It's neither. It's always a computer. It's a machine in the machine middle. in the middle, and it's still the same acronym. <laughs> so that is our new answer to that problem. MITM. It's still MITM, but it's now machine in the middle. Even uh, so, the person in the coffee shop
0: isn't the thing that's in the middle. It's the machine. The robot. Exactly. It's their laptop. Oh, that's a good. I like it. Machine in the middle, and you still get machine in the middle. So um, I would bet there are companies out there willing to for free. Give you a mail yeah. <laughs> service where you can put your MX record there and then point back to your real mail server. Because that means I am they're, sure go- they they're reading all your email, right?
1: Right. If you're going to pay right. for something, and the thing that's is, the one to pay for. Yes, absolutely. And read their privacy policy. And the thing is, you actually are trusting a, a spam filter to read your email. How can they filter what they don't right, read? Right, right. Absolutely. So they have to be trusted. That's a. Could you actually put a sentence in the show notes? It is really important you trust this company, because <laughs> um, it really is important. And then the other thing you can do as an optional extra, and I've done this quite a few times with with my professional hat on. To be honest, not my personal hat. But if you need to send a lot of email, you shouldn't spend a fortune on a mail service that lets you send a lot of email. You should buy bulk mail sending as a separate service. And what that means is that you don't have to change your mail provider at all. You just have a second trusted mail server. So you edit your SPF record to add in a second trusted server. And then you use that server to send email only. And if the bulk mail sender is actually any good, they will force you to do DKIM. So you will also have to put the DNS records in for DKIM. And then you will use them to send out your mail blast to, you know, 10,000 customers or your hourly notification of something or whatever. I guarantee you that large companies are using bulk mail senders. And these companies are expert at sending email to a lot of people in a spam detection compliant way. They are sticklers for every speck of mail sending so that your email is high in volume, but legitimate. And they are the experts at not messing that up. And if you don't want to lose the reputation on your email, it's really important that if you're sending thousands of email a day, you get a bulk mail sender. And I use a company called SendGrid. I have done for years. They provide really nice APIs and a lovely control panel. So I actually genuinely would recommend SendGrid. I have used them for years. And it's not just for sending out bulk. It's not just for stuff like newsletters. Um, If you run a website that sends, say, 500,000 emails a month, just in terms of private messages and stuff like that, you probably should be using a bulk mail sending service which happens to be why I have one. Um, A little bonus tip, by the way. So if you have two mail sending services, and if you just copied and pasted the SPF record from your primary servers, then you need to intelligently edit it to add in the second server. If you don't want to bother your backside, use the subdomain. You own your domain, so you can make infinitely many subdomains. So you could have, you know, mywebsite.podfeet.com, which is a terrible name, but, you know, your website would have a name, right? Let's say that, you know, <laughs> moodle.myuniversity.com. I don't know why that example came to me. You could just have a subdomain and have the from address on the subdomain, so no subdomain.domain, and then you can have an entirely separate SPF record. Because ah, okay. it's on a different domain. And they just copy and paste what they give you. So it's copy, paste, no thinking, copy, paste, no thinking. <laughs> I like copy, paste, no thinking. <laughs> I wish
0: we named our, the f- our episodes with funny names. That would be great. Copy, paste, no thinking. <laughs>
1: yeah. Now, the last thing I want to throw into the mix here is I promised you at the start that I could get you your own email domain without having to pay for more than you're hosting. And there is a way to do that. It's Keep using a free email service to host your actual mailbox, but just have a mail forwarding service on a domain you own. And a mail forwarding service is either going to be very, very cheap or actually free, and they will just take email to something at your domain and forward it to my free account at gmail.com. Yeah, but how do you send mail back? You don't. So that's you, not at all what the same you, thing. Correct. You are... You're pay, pay less, get less. This is, this is a, this, or it, this solves the problem of not being able to be locked out of your digital life. Because to be not locked out, you have to be able to receive email. Yeah, but if if I send email to Bart at
0: barterfisser.net and he replies and it comes from bart at gmail.com.
1: Right, but you're thinking humans. I'm saying this solves the problem of signing up to websites. When you sign up to a website, you use your own domain, oh. so that when the email loop comes through, it's at your domain. When the proof of your identity comes through, it's at your domain. Oh, okay. It solves so it's very, only very the security problem.
0: Minor. Well, but if you have to authenticate, but a lot of times they send you something and you have to reply to the email. It's not going to come from the right place.
1: But that I have not seen that in years because uh, instead they make you click a link. No, no. The reason the reason they make you click a link is because lots of people can receive but not send. You are you are correct. There have been times. It, it is not a zero occurrence that you have to reply, but it is very rare. I haven't seen it in a very long time. I could have sworn I they saw. They send a, like, you an email, but, but no, they click here. It's not reply. It's click here. Mm, okay, maybe. Well, keep an eye. But I, I certainly, I, I've been keeping okay. an eye for a long so time. That and it's proves been a very That proves
0: long time. it got to you, but you don't have to write back to it with.
1: Yeah, because all they need is proof of receipt. And they give you that proof of receipt by sending you a piece of random gibberish, which you then have to reproduce by copying and pasting it into the website or clicking the link, which just fills in the random gibberish. Okay. So that solves the real problem. Yeah, the one I was thinking of is you do hit a link. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So this is you are not getting all of the advantages of owning your own domain, but you are getting the really important part of not having your digital life be at the whim of Yahoo or Google. That's valuable, right? And if you own your own domain, you can decide later to get a full mail service anytime you like, because you already own the domain. You just point the MX record somewhere else. Okay, okay. So there is a service called Forward Email. They are freemium. I have followed the money. I have read their privacy policy. They have a genuinely free tier for up to five domains. And they will forward your email and respect your privacy. If you want any more than five, they want your money. Which is why they are not reading your email. Because <laughs> they actually have a business model. No,
0: okay, right, right.
1: I have used this company for five years. They have not yet messed me up.
0: And they're not. Uh, that's not giving you any spam filtering or anything like that?
1: Okay. No, actually, no. They do even give you very basic spam filtering, but the shiniest. So features they are, are reading your email. Sorry, they're they are they are not selling you on to advertisers. There they are, are okay. They're not selling. Yeah, they're respecting they your, from your privacy. Your
0: email. Got
1: you. Yes, yeah. They are. They sorry. They are respecting your privacy is the right way to say what I was trying to say, which is an important difference. You're dead right. Um, their website. You know, you can see the different tiers on their website. There are many, many more tick boxes of features when you pay them but that's good (laughs) they have a business model they will continue to exist so but they have a free tier okay so the point i sort of want to dwell on right so i have explained to you all of the moving parts in as much complexity as i can make it right these are all the moving parts but you as the owner of a domain have a spectrum of choice at one end of the spectrum You can go to a domain registrar like GoDaddy and you can get everything from them. You log into one place, you click one or two buttons, you will get one bill and you will have one web interface to control your domain registration, your DNS and your email. They will just give you everything. I'm
0: going to put one caveat on that. One interface that is completely new every time you go back and log in. (laughs) (laughs) On <laughs>
1: GoDaddy. <laughs> yeah, if you think Skype changes all the time behind your back, they Microsoft are rank amateurs compared to GoDaddy. Oh, Daddy. yeah. I mean,
0: Bart and I actually have a good giggle every time he says, okay, let's go in and look at this. And I'm like, let's see where they hit it today. Because I don't think I've ever seen it look the same twice. It's not it's not covered with half-naked women anymore. So that's good. But it's they just, I don't know, it's just like they, they, they enjoy moving things around. They've been optimizing it every week for the last 20 years.
1: Which is great, though, because it means both of us, like, neither of us have a clue, so we're both sort of stumbling around in the in the dark. But because we know it's going to happen, we don't feel stressed about it. We just sort of have fun. <laughs> so that is one end of the spectrum, right? You just get everything from the one company and they'll make it very easy for you because they will automatically know what DNS records to set because they're giving you everything. And so you just click a few buttons and it'll magically happen. They will add your DKIM records. They will add your DMARC. They will do everything, right? And they just take your money. And
0: guess who else will That's do that of, now? cloudflare when i went in to yes. check the
1: mx records it said by the way we do domains now here's how to yeah, transfer and they, yours they today. have a beta email service they have a beta email service as well oh, do they
0: interesting yeah
1: yeah so anyway um so that is one end of the spectrum just get it all from one company the other end of the spectrum is, frankly, what you're doing, Alison. You actually have a different provider for all the moving parts. <laughs> now, you haven't split out your spam filtering, I guess. you could, If you really wanted to make life more complicated, you could do that. No. But other than that, you kind of have done everything, right? Because GoDaddy are your registrar. So you're paying GoDaddy for the right to own Podfeet.com, and you are using GoDaddy's interface to specify your NS records. Those NS records are pointing at DNS servers run by Cloudflare. So Cloudflare are where your DNS records are, including your MX record and your SPF record. So your MX record is saying that Apple are responsible for your email. So there's your next moving part. You've had it from Apple, and your SPF record is saying Apple are the good guys. Apple are the authorised senders from my domain. Right. So you have three different companies in the mix. You're on. You're close to the extreme other end of the spectrum, and everything in between is possible. But the thing is, if you own your own domain, you can change your provider anytime you like. And the most likely thing you're going to change is your email service provider. So let's just spend a few minutes here looking at the steps for changing your service provider. Which I've been it's complaining
0: to that Bart has been this is much more complicated than I expected this lesson to be, but it was a matter of minutes for me to change my email service provider from Google to Apple with one giant caveat that I'll get to at the end.
1: Step four. Step four in my list of six is the one that has a giant big asterisk next to it. Oh, no, no, no. There's a big asterisk after all of this. Oh, okay. So you have moved. It succeeded, but you're not happy. I'm not done. (laughs) You're not done. Let's go through the easy steps. Yeah. Okay. So step one to change your mail provider is to open an account with a new provider. So find someone you like better and... Create yourself an account. Then add your account with the new provider into your various email clients. So, plumb your mail on your Mac on at least one place. Get them connected to the new provider. Right now, it is physically impossible for any email to arrive because your MX record is still pointing at your old provider, but you should get your mail client plumbed in first. So that as soon as you switch over, because DNS takes time to propagate. So there will be a 12 hour period where there's a 50-50 chance that that any specific email will go to one or the other. So you really should have both of them sitting there in your mail client Hmm. for that transition period. Once you are happy that your client can successfully talk to your new provider and everything is ready, then at your control, you can switch over. And you switch over by going to your MX record and changing it to whatever the new provider has told you. And then that truth is now propagating through the internet and it will take 12 to 72 hours, according to the spec, but probably way less. I
0: think it took took minutes
1: for me. I mean, it was virtually Cloudflare. Cloudflare operate very effective DNS servers and they serve your domains with a really low time to live. So a TTL. Mm -hmm. So people are told to ask Cloudflare every minute <laughs> wow. for new versions of Podfeet. And like a DNS server run by a ISP, so if you have like an email address at, you know, oh, I, I can't Roadrunner remember can silly American Roadrunner was 100 years ago. Yeah. They're probably having a TTL of 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But Cloudflare, their servers can handle the load, so they have a really short TTL. So you update the MX record and you have now decided, because you're in control, that the new server is now in charge. At the same time as you do your MX record, you also need to update your SPF, DKIM, and DMARC, whichever ones of those your new provider has told you are appropriate. Set those as well. Step four, then, is the hard part. Optionally, migrate your email from your old provider to your new provider. Uh, So, yeah, you had an asterisk. That's actually step five
0: in the notes. That's why I was confused.
1: Yeah. No, step five is terminate your account
0: with your old provider. I have seven steps, Bart, and the numbers well, are not the same. where did you get a seventh one from? Because you're supposed I have to have... How... I have what you sent me. I have, You're looking at how an old version you... of what you wrote, because uh, step four is the SPF DKIM DMARC records. Step five, so optionally migrate your email. Step six, terminate your account with your old provider. And step seven, remove your old co- account with your old provider from your mail clients.
1: Okay. Step one, open account. Step two, add your account. Step... Oh. Yeah, I see what you've done. You fixed the city typo. No, typer. I did not. I have two... I did not No, no, fix... you did. I have two step twos. I have two... I have step one, step two, step two, step three.
0: So anyway, unimportant to the listeners, we'll fix this afterwards. But when you get to that optionally uh, migrate your emails, that did not occur to me for quite a while that all I was getting was my new emails. And yeah. I, I was, I think I was out for one of my interminably long walks when I went, oh my gosh, I don't remember doing anything to make the old emails come into my, uh, into my new server. And I don't <sighs> manually dragging and dropping 17 years of emails. Um, <laughs> I'm not done yet. And I moved quite a while ago because I got in my head that I really don't want to move everything because I'm really sloppy with my emails. I mean, I probably have every... The post office is going to deliver something to your house email I've ever gotten, so I've been trying to clean it, which means I'll never finish if I keep doing it. But I have to manually move them, and that really surprised me. I just thought somewhere in the magic in the
1: background that happened. Some mail providers provide you with an import option. So, for ex- I've only had one first-hand experience with this, so I don't know how common it is because I don't change email provider every week, but Office 365 have a mechanism where you can give them your old username and password, and they will use the IMAP protocol to fetch all of your email from the old server into the new.
0: And from what I understand, I think Fastmail does that too, but iCloud did not. And the reason, so Bart said, uh, for now... And I don't know how I can ever get out of iCloud now because the, the, the problem that occurred that I, I – it's probably not a problem, but what didn't occur to me is that all of my podfee.com email and all of my mac.com email are both in the same mailbox now. They are completely commingled, and I don't know how I would ever extricate them. They have They have bundled themselves Ooh. into one mailbox. So I've always had those things separate because I used my Mac.com for my personal email and popfee.com for basically everything else on the internet. And they're all together now.
1: Well, it doesn't mean they're stuck together because if you move to a different provider, they will almost certainly import into the one in, even if there's a transfer function, they'll import into one mailbox. But you can then use a mail rule to pull them back apart to say if the two address is one address, put it in this folder. Otherwise, put it in and that folder. And all photo. the sent mail. And, <laughs> you like, could do the same with the, with the from address in yeah. the sent mail. I, I was depressed You do with the that. rule. That,
0: that made me sad. And so now as I'm dumping these thousands and thousands and thousands of emails in, I'm dumping them right into the place I didn't really want them all mixed in together. I don't... I was surprised that that happened. That is a
1: choice by Apple that... Yeah. It doesn't surprise me because iCloud has never been the most advanced mail service, so they're basically treating your PodFeed address as an alias yeah. to your iCloud address. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's what it feels like.
1: But anyway... Yeah. Yeah, that, so I, mean, I mean, that is what they're mind. doing under the hood. But it's it didn't a, cost me bit, yeah. any
0: money, which was nice, Up to, but it's only up to, I think, three emails. So we have Alison at PodFeed.com and Steve at PodFeed.com, and that's it.
1: Oh, you have one left. You can make something up. Waffles at PodFeed.com.
0: <laughs> oh, I'd have to decide between waffles and pancakes.
1: That is true. Yeah, you would because you can't have four. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, And then, so once your mail is over and you're happy, now you could also just, you know, become a digital, decide not to be a digital pack rat and throw everything in the bin and start afresh. I decided a few years ago to run a mail rule every December that says everything more than two years old gets deleted. So I don't have quite as much to carry around as you, but I can't quite part with any more than that. So See, the reason I, I, I very definitely don't do that because
0: of the audience. The the audience right. for QuadFeed.com, because I have emails where somebody will email me and say, hey, remember me? And I'll be go ah... Oh, let me go find out who they are. And I'll go, oh my gosh, this person has been writing to me since 2006. I better, oh yeah, you remember when you blah, blah, blah. We had this conversation. And so I, and I don't put everybody into my uh, address book, obviously. So my mail is that list of people who have ever written to me. So I'm definitely not going to do that.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. Like I say, I- I I should have a mail rule
0: that says everything from the post office that's more than a week old, throw it away. (laughs)
1: I have quite a few of those actually on my accounts these days because um, mm-hmm. I, I my sup- I, I do all my shopping online these days and my supermarket is very chatty over email. So there is a mail rule that says if, you know, if it's more than a month old, the shopping has definitely been delivered. Mm-hmm. Go away. That's a good idea. You know, uh, do you do those care. server side or locally? Uh, because we use Office 365, I have them server side. Okay. Because that way I don't have to worry about, is it happening on my Mac? You know, if I put my Mac to sleep, my mail stops cleaning up. yeah <laughs> Yeah. They're the kind of features you get with a more expensive mail service. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, when you're happy, you can terminate the account with your old provider and then expunge it from your mail client. That is the scary step. <laughs> yeah. Because there is no going back at that point. You, you have, uh, Whatever you didn't bring with you, you're not getting it back now. Uh, but anyway, there, that that is the final step. So I have told you all of the detail. So that you know that when you're buying a one-click service, what you're actually buying is, you know, five things from one company, not one thing. And I would very, 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 very strongly encourage people, if you don't yet have your own domain, please consider it just for the security of your entire online being. That email address is so intertwined that your digital identity, you're at the mercy of your mail provider if you don't own your own domain. And that's kind of uncomfortable.
0: So at the very least, what somebody you would suggest somebody does is is uh, buy their own domain, set up one of those email forwarding services, and use that whenever you connect to services online. Correct,
1: but at just the very that, least, you don't have to know you. any of this other stuff. Correct, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that is the bare minimum. I would do is just a mail forwarding service, and. A lot of registrars will provide you a mail forwarding service for either free or very, very cheap. So oh, okay. I use an Irish company for some of my domains called Register three six five and they do free email forwarding for one address. Yeah. That's probably enough. Okay. And I think Hover charge five dollars a year for up to three addresses. I I'm just going off vague memory here, but they charge a not very large amount for simple forwarding. So you can again get an all in one. Yeah. Okay. And just take it all. So anyway, I hope I hope that has made sense, and I, I hope I have uh, encouraged people to at least consider, and you have the shininess of being able to say on your business card, something at mydomain.com. You know.
0: <laughs> I do have, I do like that. You should probably pick something that means something so people don't ask you if you're a podiatrist, but.
1: <laughs> I I have an intentionally vague domain for stuff I have, I just throw away. Um, it's literally a gibberish, meaningless domain, it's in leetspeak, and it means nothing (laughs) very good
0: all right well yeah this was good i obviously did not understand exactly what i had done before uh and now we have really good show notes by the way detailing all of this written by bart so we do know what it's uh have records of what he's taught us so you can go back and reference it
1: indeedy well until next time when i god knows what i'll be talking about maybe it'll be back to programming by stealth who knows <laughs> well, not that weird time of the year. Um, anyway, I will definitely talk to you again. It will be tech related. It will be fun, I promise. But until then, happy computing.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the NoCilla Castaways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other No Castaways. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack. Thanks for listening, and stay subscribed.